Hey, I'm Ramel London and I'm a TV radio presenter and host and I want to welcome you to the mainstream. Today I'm joined by a professional dancer, singer, actor and model but it was in fact her passion for property that catapulted her into the mainstream as the presenter of one of Channel 4's flagship shows A Place in the Sun. Now as the voice of Capital Extra, an MTV and BBC reporter, a connoisseur of the stage and the travel buddy we all need in our lives, I am very happy to have the fabulous Scarlett Douglas with me. Hello Scarlett! Oh hey girl, I love that intro! you know oh that's good I'm glad I'm glad oh it was so fun writing it as well (laughs) do you know what's really funny because I think obviously what I'm doing now in terms of presenting I kind of forget all the other things that I've done to this point and when you were saying it I was like oh yeah I did oh yeah I did do that oh yeah yeah and I am a good travel buddy so yeah I take that I love that. I love that. Well, I'm so excited to have you. And I've got to say, Scarlett, welcome to the mainstream. Yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, this is going to be such a good chat because I was kind of saying off mic that, you know, you have done so much. And I honestly think you've got one of the most versatile C- CVs I've seen in a long time. <laughs> And just like, you know, the journey is what I'm about. I love hearing a good story. So I want to kick off by, first of all, thanking your mum and dad, because you've mentioned in so many like interviews and stuff that they've encouraged and supported you from the very, very start of your career. And um, one thing that I loved and I was absolutely delighted to hear, which I didn't know before, is that your dad launched and owned London's first black community radio station, WNK. Yes, they're wicked, neutral and kicking. Oh, that's so epic. Like, you know, that is real black British culture right there. And uh, mm. this was back in 1989. That was the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love that they played like soul, R&B and reggae. And it was in North London as well. So yeah. it sounds like music and broadcasting was kind of like a passion of his. Do you think there? this is where the, the seed to be a performer or broad, broadcaster was planted in you? I think so, yeah. I've always been around entertainment. Um, my cousin as well is Maxim from The Prodigy, so I've seen oh. him perform and I've just, I've always loved music. And when my dad had the radio station, we'd be there, you know, at the station and then the Jackson 5 would walk in or Babyface oh would walk God. in or Janet Jackson would walk in. And it's just like, I can I can do this live. Obviously, when you're younger, you don't really know, you don't really get that these are big people walking in. But when you look back on that, I definitely think that influenced who I am today and what it is that I do, because it was just amazing to be around all that creativity. That is epic. Like, <laughs> like how is your childhood just full of celebrities? Like, that's you know? not- and, and both my brothers played football as well. So I used to hang out with the footballers. Like, I've just had a great life. I really can't complain about anything. I feel truly blessed. I really do. I honestly wish I knew you when we were younger. Because like, we <laughs> were hanging to... out, all the parties, everything. <laughs> going to your house must have been so much fun. <laughs> it was wicked, wicked. Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, yeah, I, I, I know that you're a huge fan of football. You're always mm-hmm. down at the Arsenal Stadium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and always. you actually wanted to be an Arsenal women's footballer, right? So, yes. So, what what stopped that? Because it sounds like, you know, you you had a lot to decide, like perform or, or take up football. So which one, how did you swing performing over football? 
so basically I started dancing at the age of about two and a half, but I never really wanted to dance. I just wanted to follow my brothers and play football. So one okay. of my brothers actually played at Arsenal. And when my mum would take him to training, she could either put me in the creche, keep me or put me in the girls team. So she was like, I'm going to put her in the girls team because my mum loves football as well. So I used to play for Arsenal girls when I was younger and I absolutely loved it. But it kind of got to a point where my mum would say to me, I've got two boys, please, can you just be a girl? I can't have my Aww. house completely trashed. Like, stop being so boyish and be a girl. Like, in a kind of laughy, jokey way. Yeah. Um, but I just I just wanted to play football. I just wanted to be like my big brothers because they inspired me so much. But I still had that side of me where I wanted to sing and I wanted to dance. I wanted to be on stage and on show and it all be about me, 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 me. Um, so, yeah, so my mum was like, you need to make a decision because I played hockey as well. And, and it got to a point where I could have taken that up professionally. Field hockey, definitely not ice hockey because I cannot. I can just about <laughs> ice skate. Um, but field hockey was another option that I could have done. I played for my county and it was a time where I had to make some real tough decisions, but I wanted to be in a girl group. So in order to do that, it was like, you need to go to performing arts college and study all disciplines, singing, dancing, acting, you know, be versatile and be able to perform to the best of your ability. So that overrode everything else, basically. Wow. That is a big decision though. But, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, you kind of really have to buckle down and figure out what is the the long time kind of, I mean, that's a lot to think about as a child, as a teenager. Yeah. And I think as well, nowadays, women's football, it's only really getting accolade it should have had years ago. So yeah. I kind of knew back then, unfortunately, there was no real future for me in football back there where I could have made it big, 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 as opposed yeah. to the male footballers that absolutely could have done. So I had to kind of think in that respect as well. And yeah so it's performing just yeah it won for me amazing amazing well you absolutely smashed it and you got into the uh, correct me if I'm wrong lane theatre arts yes lane theatre arts performing arts college in Epsom in Surrey yeah it's a three-year course I don't even know if I could do it now because we would dance back to back relentlessly from like 8 a.m till sometimes 8 at night I don't know how I did it but it was great yeah I mean because I'm reading that this is one of the best international dance and drama colleges for performing arts so hardcore yeah absolutely absolutely hardcore and you know the college is a fantastic college but there are a lot of things about that college that needs to change um it was very very much it was that old school dance kind of college where they wanted everyone to look the same so that everyone had to be like the same height the same color the same like there were people that walking around with this awful fake tan but they'd be really tall and everyone at one point everyone had blonde hair because miss lane wanted blonde hair and the next time it'd be like brown hair because everyone wanted brown hair or, or red hair um so they can't everyone that comes out of lanes you, you can always tell a lamey because we're very much ready to go on stage they always say never leave your house without makeup because you don't know if you're going to meet, meet a director or choreographer or producer on the street you need to be looking your best which in a way what? is like nice but the, the side of it that I really didn't like is they were very weight conscious so every month we would get weighed and at the beginning of a term and end of a term we'd get weighed And if we'd leave to go like half term or summer holidays, if we came back and we weighed more than what we weighed when we left, we had to go straight to the nutritionist and we put on a diet and things like that. For me now, looking back, not acceptable. I was very lucky. I've got Jamaican parents. Like, There's no way they were (laughs) going to let me eat. But a lot of the students, you know, a lot of the girls and guys as well, they would have bulimia issues or anorexia issues. And these are things that still go on to this day, you know. Um, so yeah so that part of it I didn't like but the discipline I loved discipline was fantastic Um, obviously the training was out of this world and it really did set me up 
to do what I do now. And I was never a favourite at college, which was good because if I got rejected, it just meant I could brush myself off and pick myself up again. Whereas a lot of the favourites at college couldn't do that. So they don't have a career now, whereas I'm used to being like told no. So it's like, okay, well, what's the worst that happened? Nothing. I'm going to pick myself up and go again. So I actually like that part of it. Now that I'm out of it, I like that part of it. That's amazing. I mean, it's, thank God you are headstrong enough to be able to survive that. Because like you said, Mm. not everyone is built for that. Not everyone will be able to say, actually, I'm going home to eat food. (laughs) You know what though, I left college and then I went and did my first ever musical, uh, no, my second musical, sorry, in Zurich in Switzerland. Um, And the director there pulled me and a couple of the other girls aside and they were like, basically you're putting on weight and if you don't lose weight we're gonna sack you because in your contract you have to stay a certain weight and I was like oh you know it's my oh my, my first gosh. main job from college um and and that's when I actually did end up getting an eating disorder but because I was living in Zurich in Switzerland my parents weren't there to keep an eye on me wow. and it really took its toll on me and then you know I, I eventually spoke to my mum and dad and they came and had a bright old going at this guy um and then I and then I overcame it but I still have this thing about me that like now especially I know we're in lockdown but all I'm doing Ramel is eating and I started off doing my Joe Wicks right I started off doing Joe Wicks and I'm like ah I can't be bothered I'm gonna have a line and I can feel myself putting weight on and it's really stressing me out but it's only because of my mentality from back then that you're too big you're too big you're too big whereas actually maybe I'm just naturally curvy and that's okay but it's it's annoying that these stigmas stay and these these yeah. things keep going on in, in your mind. So it's about removing that and stripping that away. And who is the talent? Who is the person? It's not about the outside image, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're beautiful. You're gorgeous. I don't, I've never seen you not look amazing. So. You've me in the morning, Ramel. You've not seen me in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, you haven't seen me in the morning either. So. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's so powerful that you've been able to overcome that and not not let other people's opinions or or desires of how you should look affect you. Like, well mm. done for overcoming that, honestly. Um, so it's, I, I love that you went and trained professionally. And it sounds mm. like, you know, we, we kind of said you had to make a decision what your career is going to be from a young age. So did you have a dream plan when you got to the Performing Arts College? Yeah, I thought I was going to be in a girl group and we were going to be global. I thought I was going to be in the next Little Mix, like way back then. But that never happened. (laughs) But that's what I wanted. I wanted to be, I love Destiny's Child, you know, so I wanted to be that. I wanted to be, and I've been in so many girl groups and it's never really worked out. But I just love performing. I love being on stage. I love singing to a live band. I love having an audience and having people to feed off of. So that would have been the ultimate goal. And you know what? It's listen, it's not too late. I can, I guess I could still try and do that and be of like, course. like the pussy dolls. You know, they're older now and it's like like, yeah, it totally works for them. I could just be in an older girl group. Definitely could. <laughs> Definitely could. Can you sing? Can you sing? No, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna be in that girl group with you. <laughs> I wish I could. I have seen your dance moves when you're doing your Capital Extra um, Instagrams, your stories. I'm like, this girl's got moves. So listen, we can make this work. Just a bit of auto-tune. We got this. I can mime. Like, <laughs> if someone like, we can do a Milli Vanilli. You can actually sing it. I'll just do the miming kind of thing. <laughs> deal, deal. Uh, but speaking of like girl groups and stuff, like how does that work? Like is the fact that you've been in numerous groups is it that you kind of like get uh poached or or is this a part of like the the musical theater world do do they come and look for girls to be in girl groups 
Uh, yes and no, but a lot of the times you're kind of at Pineapple doing classes. There are always people around there scouting or you'll look in the stage oh. newspaper or magazine and they'll be like, oh, we're looking for a girl group or you, you're you online. You know, I used to always sign up to different casting sites like Star Now, whatever other ones there are out there. And there'll always be um, some sort of article saying that they're looking for, you know, a girl to join a girl group and blah, 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 blah. So I just used to apply for them. And, and I was in quite a few different ones and, and we had some really good tracks, but we just never got anywhere, I think yeah the girls just weren't very nice so it was never gonna work oh, out in fact i was in a girl group with shaney shaney ryan oh my gosh <laughs> yeah yeah i can't remember what it's called wow yeah, we it's such a small world and look at mm. you both now killing it as presenters like that's amazing that's amazing that's why as well i think we can plan our lives as much as we want but sometimes the universe has something completely different for us and we just have to go with it and just trust yeah. it Definitely. I totally hear that. Well, I mean, straight out of college, you absolutely killed it. I mean, you starred in numerous West End shows. You've toured around the world, like you've mentioned. Um, you've choreographed as well and performed with huge stars like Craig David, Celia Green, Paloma Faith. Like, oh my gosh, like you was living. What was this time in your life like? Do you know what? I wish I lived in the moment more because I'm looking back now and I don't think I really appreciated how incredible some of these opportunities were. Um, it was okay. just like, I was literally living life from now. I did the Thriller Live tour. That's my first ever show out of college. Um, it was only a short pilot to start off with. So I normally say my main show was Real Rocky, but this was still my first paid job out of college. Um, and then I went and did um, Real Rocky, came back to Thriller. We did a tour and we had the most incredible tour bus. It had like sleeping beds on it. It had a whole couch area at the back with a playstation it had a little kitchen area and we're just bopping through europe like it's casual staying in amazing wow. hotels and now i look back and i just think oh my god i was so lucky i've gone to some beautiful places abu dhabi singapore i've lived in zurich i've lived in klagenfurt which is in austria um oh i've just gosh. traveled so many places and it's so nice to know that i've got to see these places off of someone else's wallet um but it was literally like, yeah but it was me, it was work. It was work that was taking me to these places. That's amazing. I mean, what what a life, what a, what a journey, what an experience completely. Mm. What I'm noticing as well, I mean, you've clearly been booked and busy and you mentioned it a little bit before as well, the auditions. Like oh. I'm assuming that you've had to do a lot of auditions mm. and, you know, that can take its toll on you as well. Like you're constantly having to learn things, perform, impress people. What advice would you give to someone preparing for an audition? My main thing would always be fail to prepare, prepare to fail, because there is going to be someone next waiting to go in after you, the person before you that would have done their work inside out. And if you go in and you don't know your, your notes very well, you don't know the script very well, you don't know what the other person should be reading when you're reading, it's game over because there are so many people up for the same role. You have got to be on it. Like you really have to be on it. And also you need to have stamina because sometimes you go to auditions and you can be in the audition for like 12 hours because they're doing different wow. rounds and you're like, okay, you go and then another group comes in and then your group is back up again. So you need to be resilient. You need to like have water, make sure you've slept well the night before, make sure you've done your work because you will get found out very quickly if you haven't. <laughs> I could imagine. Yeah. That is not easy at all. I mean, 
you're clearly good at, <laughs> at doing this and you've never been afraid of a bit of competition either, which I've noticed because you've put yourself forward for a lot of competitions, which for, for me terrifies me. Like you always see, you know, presenter competitions and all that kind of stuff. And people always tell me, go for it. And I'm like, I just don't think I've got it in me. You've literally done beauty pageants. You was in the top five of the Kiss Chosen Ones radio competition. You was runner-up in the worldwide search for the next big name in hosting. And then you actually won the MTV Presenter for a Week competition. What drives you to keep on taking these challenges? (laughs) Um, I don't know what the drive is, but I just like putting myself out there. I don't know what it is because you're right. Like, really, it should frighten me to death, but if you're not in it, you're definitely not going to win it. So you might as well. And the worst thing that's happened is I didn't get the, you know, I didn't win the competitions. The the clips are probably still up on YouTube, which is embarrassing. But also it's quite nice to see what I was like back then when I was auditioning to who I am now and how much I've grown. And it's important mm. to put the graft in. You're not going to get it unless you put yourself out there. And if it's not for me, it means it was, it was for someone else. But what's meant for me won't pass me by. So I might as well just give it a go. Definitely. Oh, I love that. I love that. But you also mentioned earlier as well, like you've got, you've got to be resilient and there are a lot of no's. So how do you pick yourself up? I think you have to know that as long as you've done your best, it's not you. A lot of the times you might get a no because you have to fill the person's space that was in it before you. Let's talk about musical theatre, for example. If you have an original cast of a show, normally they, they will cast the show And then those characters are kind of built around the people they've cast. So if they're then doing a cast change, they already know that the role of Lulu, whatever, was Mm. a tall blonde girl that was a size eight. So they're going to naturally look for that sort of person because she's already kind of created that role. So even if you've gone in and you're absolutely incredible, you just might not get the job because you don't look right. And that can happen a lot of the times. Even when you go in, you do typecasting and you just stand up in a line that happens a lot. I hope it doesn't happen anymore. I've not been in the commercial dance world for a long time, but when I used to do it, you'd literally go in and they would line you up and they'd walk past and they'd go, yes, no, no, yes, yes, just based on how you looked. And then when they had all wow. the yeses, then they'd start teaching you the choreography. Like, wow. it's crazy. So you can't always think it's you. As long as you're doing the best, that's all you can ever yeah. do. Definitely. Oh, that's that's great advice right there. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, it's interesting that you've mentioned there are specific roles and I guess it's something you have to get used to in in the performing world like compared to being a presenter sometimes you are having to fit the mold or the the role that they've got in their mind for you as a black woman being in Britain how does it feel knowing that sometimes there's not always going to be a want for the black girl I mean it's so it's so unfortunate that you know we still have to have this conversation but how have you kind of dealt with the idea that you know um sometimes they're only looking for one black girl and you have to almost fight against other black girls to get that role like it's it's so disappointing that that happens and how how have you kind of overcome that I mean that is really frustrating I think for me it was always that way in musical theatre. There was always a token black person, unless you're doing a black show like Dreamgirls or like Memphis or Motown or whatever. So I've always been used to that. Um, but obviously coming into the television world now, what's more frustrating than in musical theatre is TV constantly channels up all the time saying, 
oh, you know, we need to be more diverse and we're looking for black people or, or BAME, sorry, BAME people, black, Asian yeah. and minority ethnic people, presenters, but then they never actually do anything about it. That's what's more frustrating for me is they know they need to make their shows and their channels more diverse, but they're not putting in the work to do that. Yeah, That's what annoys me because I know you and I, Ramel, we're both presenters. We're both very good at what we do, but we would have to be up against each other. Why can't we both host a show together? Why can't it be you and I sat on the couch instead of Holly and Phil, for example? You know, totally. We're always going totally. to have to, there's always going to have to be one of us until the channels make that concerted effort to say, actually, it doesn't matter. Let's just get in good talent. And if it means we have two black people on the panel, we have two black people on the panel. What's the problem? We see this with Literally. loose women. Like, they're doing so much better now. Obviously, they've got Judy Love on, and, and that's great. But realistically, the panel is for white women. That's what the panel is. And then we look over in the States and you've got The Real, which is four women that are all black. I could never imagine seeing a show like that here. And it's yeah. like, but why not? Because it totally caters to a lot of the audience. So let's be broader. Let's open our minds a lot more. So it doesn't frustrate me that, oh, you know, it's either going to be me or you that gets the job remote. It frustrates me that the channels, the broadcasters, the production companies aren't changing that when they absolutely can definitely you better huh, you better preach girl because <laughs> these tables need to be shaken like we're in a we're in a very you know we're in a very difficult time right now and you know we're in a time where we're realizing that it's good to be uncomfortable talking about uncomfortable things and yes. I am really excited that more people like you are saying these things openly because, you know, we felt like we can't say it and, you know, we're at risk of losing our jobs if we do say it. So um, it, it is very powerful to hear you say, yeah, me and you should be doing this. And of course, that's what should be normal. But, you know, it takes someone like you who's on a platform, has a platform, and I've seen you actively post about it and, you know, speak about this. Let's make a change in TV and diversity. So, Amazing. Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Well, back to the journey. Um, so we're talking about being a TV presenter. It sounds like you is absolutely killing it. Like we said, living your best life as a as a musical theatre, you know, veteran and, and you know, fully in the dance world. Why did you decide to become a TV presenter? I would say presenting chose me. And I would Ooh. say that because, yeah, so the last musical I did was called I Can't Sing, which was the X Factor musical. So Harry Hill wrote it, Simon Cowell produced it, his company, Psycho. And it was supposed to do a year. It ended up doing two and a half months and we got a two week notice. And then they were like, bye. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, I kind of knew from before then that I wanted to do presenting in a way because it was the one thing I could see that would allow me to present at whatever age. You know, I could yeah. be 100 and still presenting it wanted to be. And I didn't need to have to sing and dance and get my leg up past my head anymore. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I entered, as he said before, lots of different competitions. And I'd be backstage on shows doing, like, my own little ch chat show as a joke thing, like doing fake interviews backstage. And I just loved it. So when yeah. this show closed early, I always said I'd do 10 years of musicals and then I'm going to retire and find something else. But this was in my eighth year. And I thought, okay, well, maybe it's just come out, you know, come around two years early. And... I decided at that point, once that show had finished, that I was either going to focus on straight acting, because that's another big passion of mine, or, or and presenting. It was acting and presenting. And then whichever one 
like became more of the success first, I'd go with that. So that was literally um, a place in the sun came about in the space of, well, I finished that musical, sorry, went on tour with Anton Deck for the Saturday Night Takeaway show as a backing dancer. Being with them completely solidified that I wanted to be a presenter and I, I interviewed yeah. them. They were fantastic. They supported me and encouraged me and helped me along my way as well on my journey. And that was when I was like, this is it. I have to do presenting. If acting comes about, great, but I'm going to put all of my efforts into presenting. And I, I turned down, I got offered musicals left, right and centre that I didn't even have to audition for. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And it was just like, they were reeling me back in and it was that temptation that I thought, no, I have to be out of work to get work. And I know yeah. I want to be a presenter. I know I can do it. So I'm going to do it. And then, yeah, I think having that mindset is, is what helped me get there. But it was definitely presenting kind of came to me. Well done. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. And is it is it easy to cross over from the stage to the screen? Because, you know, the, the, I mean, very similar, similar skills, you know, being able to perform, being able to learn a script. But in terms of the industry, do is it something that's seen as a normal crossover? No, I was very lucky. I don't know. I'm sure there are, but I don't personally know any other presenters that have come from doing musicals to the like West End musicals and tours like I've done into TV presenting. I know loads that have kind of started and gone to stage school and stuff, but I don't know any others that have actually done like a whole career in musical theatre and then crossed over. And it's yeah. really not easy. Um, so I think for me, it was definitely right place, right time and just being available for the the right job. Definitely. I mean, having, you know, the the kind of like encouragement from Ant and Deck, who are like the biggest broadcasters in the UK. I mean, that's a great cosign right there. <laughs> yeah, they were brilliant. And they set me up a meeting with their agents to give me some advice and to, you know, work on the showreel that I put together from all my little competition clips. And, and it was actually them that said, you've got two options of getting into presenting. You either go on Love Island because Love Island is coming back. And I was like, oh. yeah. Or you use an expertise. And then I that's when I was like, well, I do property development, so I'm going to use my expertise. Went back to my actual agent and said to them, look, I've just spoken with James Grant. This is what they've suggested. I've never told you before, but I do property development. And she's like, oh, my God, I didn't know that. And the same what? day I went in and had this conversation with Emmanuel, a place in the sun had put a post out saying they were looking for a presenter that had property experience. So it just all happened the way it was supposed to happen. Honestly, that is God right there. Working right. is magic. Like, okay, you want to present? I got you, girl. <laughs> yeah, literally, without a doubt. So, yeah, it was mental. It's wow. mental how it happened. Because I, it's funny, because I, I read that as well, that you need to have property experience to be able to present on a, a place in the sun. So yeah. the fact that you already had that passion for that is just insane. So... Tell me about the, you know, the, how much actual the the expertise is a part of the show, because, you know, it looks like you're having such a fantastic, again, like I said, you're living your best life, <laughs> traveling to all these countries and that kind of stuff. How much of your expertise is a part of the show? Literally zilch. Oh, zilch. what? <laughs> because like, what? Is, they, I know, it's so weird. Like, they want you to have property expertise. My property expertise is renovating properties and redeveloping them. Um, but then when you go on a place in the sun, literally all you do is show people five houses that, by the way, sorry, spoiler here, I don't actually pick. Like there's a whole team oh. behind the scenes that, that pick the houses. I literally see the house 
two minutes before the house hunters see the house. I run in, look around, come back out, let's film. Um, so I don't really get to put any of my expertise into the show, which is a shame because I love it. Like when I watch Homes Under the Hammer, the presenters really get in, you know, Dion Dublin and Martin, they're in there. Yeah, I think you should rip out that fireplace <laughs> and do that. And obviously that's what I wanted to do, but you don't get to do that on A Place in the Sun. So I, I know the market overseas now because I've been doing the show. I know where you can get yeah. some good deals and whatnot. But I didn't have that experience before. My experience was developing and I don't even need that on the show. So yeah, I was quite lucky. <laughs> that's interesting. But do you know what? At the same time, it gives credit to you as a host because you can actually speak from experience as well and I think it's and I I guess that's why they want to know that you have some kind of knowledge because you know as a presenter you're supposed to make the 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 contributor or the guests feel comfortable and that's what you do so naturally because it is natural to you so it 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 makes sense (laughs) I mean I guess the whole point is they want the contributors to feel like they're with someone that knows their stuff whether it's yeah. property abroad or what, my my knowledge is property in general. So it's supposed to put the house hunters at ease. Whether or not yeah. it does, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, the success rate, I was reading that the success rate of, of people actually buying the houses is quite high when you when you show them to them. So yeah, I think they believe you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You know what, though? Sometimes you watch a lot of the shows and everyone's like they're not gonna buy they're not gonna buy it so I'm glad the success rate is high I I did think it was high but I'm glad that that is a fact because yeah Yeah. sometimes you watch the show or sometimes you just meet the house hunters on the Sunday before you start filming on the Monday and you're like "Mm, you guys are definitely just here for the free holiday aren't you yeah (laughs) I mean I'm I'm looking to buy and I wouldn't mind a free holiday after all this pandemic stuff so hey you might see me on the show very soon (laughs) (laughs) um it's interesting though because like you know we're talking about expertise and a lot of presenters ask me for advice about how to get into presenting and I I often do say being knowledgeable for some a specific thing can help for example for me music entertainment that's been my thing you you've been able to show that you know property is your thing do you recommend as well for anyone that wants to be a presenter to have an expertise and how can they possibly figure out what their expertise is? Yes, I think it's easier to get in if you do have an expertise or a USP as we like to call it in the industry, unique selling point, because it just then sets you apart from someone else that could be very similar to you. So what makes you different to the other person that could be in the room with you? Um, The best way I guess to find that is what are you passionate about? What do you know a lot about? What are you knowledgeable about? Enough that you can have a really long in-depth conversation about it. Or if someone questions you on something, you'll be able to answer it without even thinking about it. You know, you could be passionate about football, brilliant. Then make that your expertise. Learn everything you can learn about football. A great thing nowadays, ladies, black ladies out there, if you want to get into presenting, look at um, NFL. NFL Mm. is getting bigger and bigger here and I've been trying to learn it I mean I can't get really get my head around it but I've been watching a lot more games just so I can start to understand how it works but there's a gap in the market for black female presenters hosting those sort of shows so Mm. look at where there are gaps in the market and if you are willing to put the work in and you're willing to go and learn about something and make that your expertise then you are golden because that's exactly what it is that people are looking for that's brilliant that's brilliant I love that so okay you are very well-versed and you're a professional you know what you're good at you know what you you want to you know brush up on is there anything 
that you feel like, do you know what? When I came into this industry, I wish someone prepared me for this. (laughs) Is there something Um, you wish you knew before you got into the industry? Do you know what? I wish... Oh, it's a tough one. I kind of wish I knew. It's it is quite lonely, especially a lot of my shows are all traveling shows, so it's yeah. me and the crew. But you always have different crew, so you mix up, and that's nice. You see someone different all the time. But when I used to do musicals, you're always in a dressing room with loads of girls, like ten, twelve girls. So you're having that banter all the time, and you build real bonds and friendships. Whereas when you kind of do the shows I'm doing, I'm the only presenter, so I make friends with the crew, but I don't really have any real presenter friends that I can call and be like oh babe and th- and that gets it in the same respect as me because we're yeah. in the exact same show sort of thing like Junior Hansen is probably the, the girl that I have that most with on the place in the sun and we will call each other and be like oh do you know this PD or that AP or blah 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 blah, blah. we have that but it is actually quite a lonely profession um yeah what I really took from it from from moving from musicals into television is that I well, I don't think I have. And, and the best friends around me have said, it's definitely not you. I've never changed. I'm still the same person. But friends from before, because they've now seen me on television and then they think I'm, I don't know what it is that they think in their heads, I, they kind of just stop talking to me. It's like they think that I'm no longer accessible. And I'm like, I'm oh, wow. definitely still the same person, guys. It's just I, I work on TV now, but I'm the same person. And I, I actually ended up seeing a lot of true colours from people that I thought were my friends and actually really, really weren't. So in eight years of doing musical theatre, I've only taken two friends from it. Like, that's really sad. Wow. That is is shocking. And I guess it's just... Some people just don't get what you do. They just don't get that you're just doing a job and, you know, you become this, you know, smoke and mirrors kind of person. I can vouch. Scarlett is so lovely. Always helping me, always suggesting how, you know, we could, you know, hey, babe, you going to this event? We're always like, you know, so I can vouch. You are a normal person who actually cares and likes having a good time, but works damn hard. Agreed. And I think, why can't we all do that and all be friends? There's no competition. Yeah. And yeah, and it'll be great. But there are people out there that unfortunately are jealous as well. And they may have wanted it and they didn't get it. like it and it's like okay the, the problem is with you it's not with me I put the work in you know so what, what what can you say definitely definitely well how about for anyone that wants to get into the entertainment industry again you've got a wealth of knowledge what should they know before they start oh good question entertainment in general I think just know that the industry is a ruthless industry that's it like yeah. you're, you can be dropped and picked up and dropped and picked up again by the powers that be. And sometimes it's really nothing to do with you. So I think you need to learn how to be as thick skinned as possible. And like I said earlier, it's not always you. As long as you are the best version of you, as long as you are the best version of you, that's all that really matters. But the industry yeah. is a tough industry and just know that you will have some incredible highs, but some real deep lows. And if you can deal with that and the emotional roller coaster that it will take you on, then you'll be fine. But if you can't, really, really consider if this is the industry that you want to be in. Brace yourself, kids. <laughs> that's all we can say. Literally, that's all we can say. Brace yourself. That is really good advice because, yeah, thick skin is a big part of 
you know, de- I like 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 we've been saying. I mean, the nose, the auditions, the competition. You have to at least like some part of that. You know, you got to feel that rush. It's like going on a roller coaster. You're literally, exactly. you know, it's you're gonna it's gonna be scary, but you know, the it's gonna be worth it in the end. The highs and the lows. Yeah, and it's all a journey, and it's all for the book, you know, and autobiography. So just embrace it and go with it. Definitely, definitely. Oh, girl, <laughs> you have been giving us gems today. I love it. I love it. Well, this is the time, this is my favorite part, where we get the top five tips from you, Scarlett Douglas, to make it in the mainstream. Hit us with it. So my first one, as I've mentioned before, know your USP, your expertise. It's so important, your unique selling point. What makes you special and what makes you stand out from anybody else? Number two is be the best version of you. And whatever way you want to take that, take it that way. But especially in entertainment, you kind of need to be you on Christmas Day every day. So be the best version of you so that people really get to know who you are and who your personality makes you. Okay, number three, please. This one is put yourself out there regardless. So we spoke about competitions, even if you might not think that you're right for something or you're nervous or you're worried, just put yourself out there because you're never going to get it if you don't at least try for something. So the worst thing that can happen is you say no, but if you don't go for it, it's going to be a no anyway. So I would say no matter what, put yourself out there. Oh, yes, I like it. Okay, number four. Believe in yourself and keep going because there'll be a lot of naysayers around you and a lot of people saying oh it's a really tough industry there's no point trying to get into it if you want it go for it so believe in yourself beautiful and finally number five my final one is rejection is deflection to perfection (laughs) oh my gosh I love it can we just hashtag that and just share that everywhere please yeah copyright to me (laughs) rejection is deflection (laughs) to perfection so if someone tells you no it's because there's something else that's even better for you waiting ahead so never be that disappointed because something better's coming I love it I love it oh my gosh these are gems like I've been saying you've been dropping the gems but these ones are specifically so cool like things you become like positive affirmations mantras yes people take note store these in your memory print it somewhere (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on your wall these are scarlet douglas's amazing top five tips to make it in the mainstream thank you so much this has been so much fun it's been it's actually been such a good chat just hearing your journey and inspiring so many you've just been able to keep pushing pe- persevering and show that it's okay to be competitive it's okay yes. to w- know what you want and just go for it so it's Absolutely. been beautiful hearing this oh thanks Thank so much you. Jamel. it's been really nice it's been nice reminiscing as well and kind of talking about my journey because sometimes we forget we're so in the moment and we don't see how far we've come and I think it's important that yeah. we do stop and reflect so yeah thank you for that all good, all good. Well, how can everyone follow you? How can we watch you as well? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram mainly, which is at Miss Scardug. So Scarlet Douglas shortened. Uh, Twitter, I'm at Scardug. You can find me on Channel 4, Place in the Sun. There are always repeats on, so I'm never, I'm never sure when you're going to catch me. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I've got a podcast out with my best friend Sam called My Travel Sister on Lockdown. If you want to hear about some travel tips and travel stories, you can hear me as the voice of Capital Extra. So when you listen to Ramel, you might hear me saying Capital Extra in the morning with Ramel London (laughs) or something like that. 
So yeah, that's it really. Follow me on my journey. And if you want any advice or tips, holler at me, slide into the DMs. And yeah, thanks for having me, Ramel. No, seriously, the pleasure has been all mine. This has been so much fun. I just love that we've been able to catch up and yeah. Like you said, share your incredible journey. Yeah, and I love the mainstream as well. I think it's such a good idea and you're doing so well. So I hope it continues to grow and blossom and it helps a lot of people out there. Ah, oh, thank you so much. You guys have just been inspiring me this whole series. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy and it's my pleasure to do this. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mainstream Podcast with me, Ramel London. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review on Apple and Spotify and follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Ramel underscore London. London.